Hey folks, welcome to episode 11 of Borderline Uncomfortable. Today we're going to talk about relationships again, but this time not toxic relationships. We're going to talk about how desperate we are for... No, I'm just kidding. We're not desperate. No, listen, desperation. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Excuse me. I've actually gotten a little... I'm back on Tinder. Oh, that's new information. Yeah, I am back on Tinder maybe like two, three days ago. Um, So if y'all listening out there interested, my Tinder handle is... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, I, so I'm back on Tinder, but, and I do feel it. Like I do feel I genuinely want to try dating and whatnot with the, with the intentions of starting a relationship somewhere down the line. But I'm still nervous that I'm going to go back to my old habits real, you know, pretty quickly of just wanting to be alone and, and not be communicating with anyone uh so um <clears throat> real quick can we can i'm gonna put my camera on because i want to see you oh, gosh. <laughs> and i enjoy <laughs> like i want to see you and i enjoy when we were talking you kathy and i that didn't sound right but um i like seeing your faces even though we're like it's still it's almost like we're together yeah so hey hi morning um so i will what do i even want to say i was thinking last night what do i want to say in this episode because we talk about this constantly on our like just us constantly but i'm like i don't even know i feel i feel like i don't know i just don't even want to engage because i i don't know where i'm at mentally and not with just intimate relationships in general, like friendships, intimate relationships, purely physical relationships, um, family relationships. I feel all over the place um, and in constant and in constant negotiation with myself. Mm. You know, it's funny yesterday in group therapy, I was so eager to call you. You have no idea, but I was like, I'm going to try to save it. I was so eager to call you. Um, Yesterday in group therapy, we did this exercise where this icebreaker, they called it, where you take your name. So my name is Diamond. And um, for each letter of your name, you pick something that you either enjoy doing, a trait about you, whatever the case. And for my N, I picked that negotiating relationships. And um, I should have put and boundaries slash boundaries. Mm-hmm. But um, I find myself in my head trying to figure out, like having these pretend conversations that I will, of course, never have with folks about my boundaries and how they need to be respected. And like basically me, me, me. What do I need from this relationship? Um, <clears throat> but then it never, it not never, it often doesn't happen because I either chicken out because I'm afraid of the person's reactions or I feel like I don't have the energy to do so, or, um, I do want the attention. I just don't like how they're giving it to me, but I'm willing to accept it, how it comes because again, I want the attention just all over the place, man. And this is literally with anybody and anybody in my life (laughs) from men that I'm sleeping with or want to sleep with to siblings. (laughs) See, that's a sign. That no, is, no, calm down. No, no, no. Don't what do you have, want to say? Don't have kids and be alone. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, aren't you going to hit the button? Something like that. <laughs> oh, the but I feel like we should tell people about the button. But maybe we could save this, table this conversation for another episode sure. before we get sure. sidetracked. Um, back to relationships. But yes, you mentioned not just intimate or romantic relationships, but also things like friendships, parentships, childrenships. Let's just jump into the question, shall we? Sure. Okay, so question numero uno. We had asked... How do you know when you've outgrown a friendship? How do you know when you... Someone actually answered this. Someone said, I feel like you outgrow a friendship when you feel they drain your energy in a bad way. You feel like that friend is holding you back from growth. And especially when it starts to become one-sided. I definitely agree with this. And I, you know, and this is like a lot of those obvious telling signs. Um, there's also a lot of friendships that you outgrow simply because you grow apart. Like you just drift into different directions of life. You you think of how many how how much you've evolved over the years and how how many phases you went through. Um, like the other the other. A few episodes ago, you said how you were going to do Diamond 2.0 this mm-hmm. year. But let's be realistic. We're probably at like Diamond 7.0. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, So, yeah. So sometimes it's not as obvious as we're getting into fights or this person is holding me back with their bad energy. And you kind of just, you know, and I, I wonder, what do you think is harder to break away from? Oh, I guess it's when when you drift apart just naturally and there's just, you know, there's no negative feelings, but it's just, uh, because you, 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 since you can't put your finger on it, what's, what's changed. You can't put your finger on it. So you feel like we should still be friends and you're still holding on to something where that's where, if there is bad energy, then you could say, okay, this is it. And I need to get this out of my life. But then even then people still don't always just let go of that person they're still holding on for some reason because you've known that person for so long and you think you can't see your life any other way what <laughs> tell my whole story go ahead oh <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll let you take over this one no 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 no, no. go ahead go ahead i was just playing i was just playing that's really all i'm saying there well funny you should say that <laughs> um i I agree with you. I don't think it always has to be so um, negative when relationships, friendships, um, when you outgrow them. Sometimes you just become two different people. And and I, I of course, that's fine. And I think from what you said, um, CJ, I think for me, what's the most challenging in that, which I think you started to ask a question, but I don't know. But for me... Um, What's most challenging is that in that is um, feeling like there is still something there, even though we maybe drifted apart or we just were on two different pages, but still wanting to maintain the same friendship that you had, let's say, five years previously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me w- was a challenge in a couple of my friendships because you have this idea, this and this, Im- well, this image of what the friendship, no, not an idea. You, you have, you, you live that type of friendship for so long. And then either you grow up or whatever the case may be. 
most times you just grow up and um, life takes you on two different paths and it doesn't always, um, they don't always intersect the way they, they did. Um, <clears throat> so for me, that was hard trying to, again, trying to maintain the same type of friendship that I was so used to, but we've become two new people. Right. And that wasn't fair to either party because it's like, I'm acknowledging, like we have full on conversations about the changes in your life, good, bad, whatever. And we're not accommodating those changes in both of our lives, but we're not accommodating those changes to apply to our friendship, Mm -hmm. which doesn't make sense because we're too, although we're the same, we're very new. We've gone through new experiences. We're just new. And um, that was a challenge for me trying to work that out. And honestly, it's still something that I deal with. I, I am thinking about one relationship that I have in particular um, where we have had so it's like it's like peaks and valleys, this friendship. Um, luckily, lately, it's been a peak, right? Good peak, positive peak. But we've been through a lot because we are in constant negotiation of our friendship and what that looks like and, and how it can work for us. Um, the question was, uh, how do you know when you've outgrown a friendship? Um, and I think indefinitely is if it's so toxic for you, maybe that's not outgrown necessarily, but when it's so to- when the relationship is maybe so toxic for you, the friendship, whatever, is so toxic for you, then you have to get out. Or when you've just become two different people and you're both okay with that. And it's not a bad, like there's no lost love or anything. It's just, we don't have a lot of the same um, common interests. We don't share those anymore. And um, we, we kind of just don't think about each other anymore. <laughs> you know, just just move on and stay strong. But I just, I just think that people get so caught up on what the relation, like what it was, like, why can't we have that anymore? And sometimes it's, it's fine to move on. There's like people, and I, I'm speaking for myself too. Um, folks are afraid to move on and I get it because it's scary and you're used to that comfort, that level of comfort. I get it. But also sometimes that level of comfort doesn't, is not in your best interest. And that's okay. Because it doesn't have to be always bad. It it can impede your growing, like your own sure, personal yes. growth, if you stay in something because it's comfortable. But mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe there is a level of comfort there. But how comfortable can it really be if you're constantly noticing that there's something off, right? So if mm-hmm. if something doesn't feel right because you've grown apart, you've grown into different interests, it can't be that comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um. And that obviously, of course, applies to... Or wait, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a question, but like a comment question. So um, you said, uh, how comfortable could it be if you're always feeling like something's off, right? Mm-hmm. But when you said that, I was thinking, but what if one of the two parties within that space... Okay, so for me, say if it was us, right? And I'm like, there's always something off with CJ, but that's just how he is. Like I chop it up to that's just how he is. Mm. And they're not able to really see that that's an issue within the relationship. They just continue on with the cycle. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Um, because I feel like I was in that position. I feel like people probably said that about me. I, I feel like you said that about me, probably. Like, that's just how she is at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Or someone has said that. And that is unhealthy because that's just how Diamond is. But you know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you, how are you able to identify that this just isn't working? Like these, these traits that this, per- the characteristics that this person has are not conducive to me and my growth. And then chopping that up again to that's just how they are. You know, and, and, and I think I might have said this in a previous episode. So if I did bear with me, I'm going to repeat it. But there's something about the, um, it is what it is expression that doesn't sit well with me fully. I mean, of course, there'll be there'll be some instances where I guess that applies and, you know, just is what it is. Right. But when you talk about people and their behavior and when it's something that's negative and you're just like, well, you know, it is it, it is what it is. That's just how that person is. That doesn't make it OK. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to confront it bring it up adjust it you know work on it improve it i think it's a cop-out answer or expression or attitude um you should address it you should address it uh because if if you're feeling something's off and maybe it's not the i mean of course it's the relationship but if you're feeling something's off and you're just like ah but that's just how that person is it's like do you really want to continue your relationship constantly dealing with that and if you don't like that quality in that person because it's it's actually a negative quality. It's not just one of those things, well, it's not my preference, right? Because, you know, there'll be something like, oh, this person's really outgoing. That's just not how I am. And, you know, that's uh, being outgoing is not a negative quality. But if there is an actual negative quality that you wouldn't want that quality in yourself, and maybe you'd hope that if you had something like that, someone would point it out to you, you should do the same to that person, um, and, and, and through that, hopefully your relationship will be better with that person. So, you know, sometimes it's not about, oh, we're growing up into do, di- we're going into do different paths. And, you know, I guess it's time we split, you know, it's so maybe you just do a, 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 a tweak here and a tweak there because relationships is constantly work, no matter what kind of relationship it is with a parent, a lover, a friend, it's constant work. Because you're two different people. You're going to be two different people no matter how many things you share uh, in terms of commonalities or background or whatnot. Uh, so this and you're and you're both constantly going to be evolving. So there's going to need there. There has to be readjustments along the way. So sometimes it's not always, oh, I've outgrown this friendship. It's just we have to uh, reevaluate who we are and who we are to each other and how we make that work. And if you can do that with each other and, it, and, it, and you still feel like you can sync up with each other, you know, it's worth it. But I guess it's when you've have that when you've done that evaluation, if you allow yourself to do that evaluation and you still see that it's not working, that it's not you're still not compatible with this person, you're not in sync, that chemistry, you can't find it. Then I guess that's how you know when you've outgrown and not just need to readjust. How many times have you had to readjust this friendship in your head? Ooh, let me see. There was yesterday. There was the day before <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> well, let me actually see. I want to say something, but I don't know if it's part of the questions. Okay. Okay. So it's, can we move on? 
You okay with that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next question is, how do you create healthy boundaries within your relationship? Now, this relationship, are we talking, because I remember we did edit some of the questions. Are we talking intimate relationship or are we talking friendship? If you think that there's a big difference, I, I would say answer it with whichever relationship you feel like answering it for. That was a weird sentence. <laughs> no, I get you. Um, it wasn't weird. I don't know. Whatever. Um, okay. So the next question, I'm going to repeat it. Uh, the next question is, how do you create healthy boundaries within your relationship? And so I'm just going to talk. You know, I don't think there is this major difference between friendship and relationship. I mean, obviously there are, but... For the sake of answering this, um, well, first for me, this, and this is something that I am, I'm, I'm new to learn. I think I've always had boundaries period, but a lot of those boundaries were put in place out of traumatic experiences, out of fear. Um, they weren't, I don't want to say that they were they were reactionary more than thoughtful, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would apply those reactionary boundaries to my friendships and to my relationships. But now I create my boundaries with a lot of in intention. Um, for example, for me, I'll use our friendship and the, the personal boundaries that I put in place for, for my for you. <laughs> I'm trying to save you for me, okay? That's how good of a friend I am. I appreciate it. <laughs> but I was having some issues with CJ, not realizing that he was a part of the problem. And I'm not saying that like you're an issue, of course, but CJ was more so triggering something within me that I had to fix. We getting deep here. I wish I could love up on you. Um, as much as I know you would enjoy it and ask for it. <laughs> no, not that I'm in my cuddling phase. <laughs> no, because I don't want people to think that I'm like aggressing over here. <laughs> like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want no charges. Anyway. So, um, yeah, I just had to work things out. I had to create, I had to figure out what I wanted communication to look like for me. When when I would if when I wanted to broach certain topics with him, does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what I did. I was having, I'll just say it uh, the the issue for me. So when I first started therapy, after every session, I think I might have said this before, but not maybe not on the podcast, but I think I I don't know. This just sounds familiar to me. After every session, I would immediately call CJ and tell him all my findings. And CJ, being the person that he is, would try to dissect it. And I would resent him for that. And um, I allowed that to infuriate me. Now, that was because I was seeking approval, <laughs> because I wanted a second opinion. I did that. I went directly to you, which defeated, not defeated, um, what do I want to say? Um partially defeated the purpose of me going to therapy because although I went for one particular thing, I also knew that I needed assistance with communication and setting appropriate boundaries. So for me to go in and automatically 
break them. It was just stupid. And I was, it was this whole thing in my head and I was getting really upset with, with CJ and it wasn't fair because my issue wasn't necessarily with him. So what I did, I broke it down and I spoke to him about it and he heard me, he understood me. And I am actively working on setting the, um, just respecting my own boundary. Now, what that looks like now, instead of me running to him after every session, I do a lot of self-reflection. And if I want to share something with him, I will share something with him, not my whole damn session. Um, and if I need advice or guidance, I'll ask. And if I don't, I'll just say, I need you to listen. And his part in that is respecting my wishes and not and doing what I say, not as like a demand or a command, but just following instruction. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how that looks for me. You know, it's funny. So, <laughs> yeah, the the I remember when you started therapy. No, was it when you started therapy? There was there was one some week where you were giving me the space that you knew I would like. Mm. And I remember thinking that that week, like, did Diamond outgrow our friendship? Is this, <laughs> did I lose her? I gave you what you wanted. <laughs> I know, but you didn't warn me. <laughs> I thought she was mad at me. Well, I mean, but you also doing it for you, you know, to, to, sure. you were doing it most mainly for you. Um, but, uh, I was like, damn, this is what it feels like to not have diamond in my life for a week. <laughs> Call me niggas. <laughs> Call me. This is what it feels like. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, um, no, I just want to go back and reread the question. How do you create healthy boundaries? Yeah. Um, I want to continue a little bit because I feel like this is something that, okay. So again, Last night's group therapy was, it was, you know why it was so good? First of all, that we had a guest speaker and she focuses on childhood trauma. And I know we're talking about relationships right now, but I quickly want to talk about, honestly, just maybe we can edit this out, but the level, you know how people say, not people, everyone, everyone says at some point you have to you cannot place blame on your parents at some point. You have to take responsibility for your actions. And after last night, I think that's bullshit. Blame your parents for everything, then work on it. Wait, wait. For so, real. So real quick on that. Um, you know, my cousin, we're having a lot of trouble with him because he's five, but he's a lot for a five-year-old. And um, a little backstory, he's from DR. Uh, my uncle brought him here so now he's living with us um and he's a lot to deal with and um we were sort of we're constantly my grandparents and i talking or going back and forth between like like being upset with this with him just being frustrated completely frustrated and um unnerved and then feeling so sorry for him you know and and saying like his his upbringing you know he's he was living with his mom and i don't know i don't know the mother she's she lives in dr i've never met her but um 
there's a larger story here, but it, it just it doesn't seem it seems suspicious, right? And and, and the there's um just the way he behaves is like the, he there was no education growing up. But anyway, yeah, it's a lot has to do with the parents. A lot has to do with the parents and and when we're children and we're so impressionable, you know, we don't know right from wrong. Um, you know, maybe there are some things that are innate. There's some knowledge that's innate, but our parents are the one that's teaching us how to talk, how to act. And uh, we should be able to put blame on them. And there's a certain age where you have the capability to learn for yourself and to, and to, and to, and to learn how to seek help. However, you're still very much affected by your growth and how your parents affected your own development. And so there's a lot of grown people who are very far behind in that mental development and that mature in that in their maturity because of the lack of education their parents gave them. I have to disagree with that. And I, again, this is from one session last night with a guest speaker, right? So I have to do my own research on how, like, because I'm about to go in guns blazing with my parents. <laughs> but I ha- like I have to do my own research. However, I understand why people say that, because you want grown folks to take responsibility for their actions. But I don't think we realize, of course, we know how much influence parents play on their children's lives, but you, it's almost like you can't, if you don't know, if you've never seen how to properly um, handle certain situations, if you've never seen how to properly communicate, if you've never seen how to properly, properly seek that information to do better, where do you start from? Mm -hmm. Where? And it's, it's so unfair because luckily for me, I, was a I was exposed to different types of people. My parents, honestly, they were bad, but they weren't that bad. Um, and I feel like that goes across the board. Parents are bad, but they're not all that bad. You know, the that bad ones are the are the real bad ones. But um, sometimes people just don't know, and we have to give grace. Real and I was listening to the members of the um, of the group last night, and some of their traumas and realizing that things that that have happened to me were traumatic and that they still live within me. And I don't even realize it. I don't, for example, growing up grades were very important to my, to my father, particularly, particularly my dad is, even though he's like new school, he's kind of growing up, he was old school Haitian. Right. So grades first friends, never. And, um, I remember when I was in this, I was in the junior high school. So it had to have been like seventh or eighth grade. Right. And I went to my guidance counselor because I got a B minus on an assignment. And I went to my guidance counselor and I said, and I didn't want to get my parents in trouble, but I said, I'm terrified that my parents are going to, that my dad's going to beat my ass, something like that in, in seventh grade language and over a B minus. I still can't count as an adult, but I got a B minus, right? (laughs) And um, I remember my guidance counselor. I was so, I was afraid to go home because I didn't want, 
all that came with it, right? So the guidance counselor had to call, I guess, CPS at the time they came to the house and that was a whole thing, right? So fast forward. In my workplace, in my educate in the educational uh, setting, in my educational setting, I get so much anxiety and I don't know, I'm a good, I'm actually a great student, but I get so much anxiety that I decide now as an adult to shut it out instead of approaching, approaching school and work in a healthy way. And, and because this fear still lives in, inside of me, I have severe testing anxiety. I, when I am on this track of like perfection, when it comes to school, it's sickening. It hasn't happened recently, but when I was first at Northampton, for example, I wanted to, of course, be my best, but go beyond. And I burnt out because of it. And then I stopped going to school because I thought it was something that I loved because that's what my father told me. I love school and I didn't. And it honestly became a trigger because that, that tension I felt manifests itself when it came to work. And I would think that I'm messing up before I even mess up, which allowed me to mess up because I didn't want to fuck up, you know? Um, of course, we're not talking about toxic work environments and all the, I'm just talking me and how the trauma of being terrified of getting poor grades in school, how that manifests into my adult life. You know, it's it's really, um, you know, we keep saying this. It's really important for us to do the work on ourselves, especially before ha getting into a relationship. And one of those relationships, the most important relationship you'll ever have, if you have this one, mm -hmm. is for having a child. Because your child will not know what boundaries it needs and how to set them up. And it's up to you um, to set up boundaries within that relationship. And, you know, I guess a lot of times parents consider what they need for their, you know, for their well-being. So they'll set up those boundaries for themselves, but they won't set up boundaries that will help their child's well-being. I just don't think it's fair. And again, I have to do more research. And I just, I don't think it's fair with the little bit of knowledge that I have. Of course, folks have to take responsibility, but I just, not everyone knows where to start. Not right. everyone knows that they need to create boundaries or not everyone, they don't know. So people are walking around here with traumas, with um, lack of knowledge, not lack of emotional and um, self-knowledge. And it's not their fault. It's really not. And then it's, it's, it's hard when someone who is, um, who is aware or who is be actively becoming aware when they introduce these ideas to them, because then those feel like they're intruding on their boundaries, not realizing that they don't even have them because if they did, they would be in a better place mm -hmm. physically, mentally, emotionally, all these things. And of course, the way you were affected by your parents and, and uh, in that relationship, that's going to seep into your friends, your friendships, your uh, romantic relationships. And um... those are the boundaries that I was talking about when I first started off um, speaking um, 
just boundaries that I didn't create, the ones that I just set in my head um, because of those issues, which again, I am lucky. I'm fortunate enough to know that those are things that I have to work on to diminish those unhealthy boundaries because those aren't, and I don't even know if I would call them boundaries. They're just, they're blockades, mm-hmm. right? They're not, they're, I don't, they're not conducive. I mean, they're, they were reactionary, but they're not healthy. Um, so they're really just blocks. Um, and that's something that I am fortunate enough to have the knowledge that, okay, you have to work on, um, tearing them down and creating healthy boundaries and relationships and set really and set the standard for what you want your relationships to look like, blah, blah, blah. And by doing that with boundaries. Yeah. Uh, are you doing well with creating boundaries with your parents now, or is that still something that you have struggled confronting? Boy, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole, frankly. <laughs> um, in short, in conclusion, a, <laughs> in conclusion, <laughs> um, it looks different for each parent because they're two different relationships. So funny enough, my dad, yes, the boundaries that we both actually put in play, um, they're working fine, but it looks a little different with my mom because just the different, she's a different person. We have a different relationship, um, So it just, it looks a little different, but I think that, I think the boundaries that I desire for the type of relationship that I desire to have with my mom won't happen until I move out. And that would be the first boundary. I mean, there are things that I can put into place now. There are things that I have tried to put into place now, but I I need my space and she needs her space. And I think once we establish that, we can reestablish the uh, relationship in a, in a truly healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just too much us being up under each other. It's too much. Um, so my question to you and our question to everyone was, uh, how do you create boundaries within your relationship? Have you created boundaries within this friendship? Like with your family, tell me. It's hard for me because of my fear of confrontation. That and not wishing to hurt someone's feelings over something like this. A lot of it is in how you approach the person and the subject. You know, you can sit someone down and say something like, I love you. I really appreciate our relationship. And I think it could be even better if we did less of this or more of this or if we were more mindful of this you know and in doing that you can sort of turn a a scary situation into a productive conversation but uh and then maybe you can also turn it over to them you know get their input not just about their feelings about what you just said but um if there's anything they'd like to bring up you know make it feel inclusive and hopefully this lets the other person know that you really do see them as you know the other important piece to this so yeah so even while thinking about it in this way i still struggle with my anxiety and the way it comes out now is passive aggressively i will probably make a comment and dress it up as a quip 
and then I wait for the person to get the hint. And it's it's unfair and it's an inefficient way to deal with that. So it's something I need to practice. And, you know, and it's also weird because one of the reasons, like I said, I don't confront the person is because I don't want to hurt their feelings and to avoid that. I make a cynical or critical joke instead. Like that, that doesn't make sense. So, um, so I have to stop. I have to stop catastrophizing and assuming that the worst case scenario is going to happen. Like there are people who are easily offended, um, or or quick to get defensive. So it's good to know who you're talking with and and tweak the language accordingly. But you know, it, it may be uh, unfair to not give your partner enough credit in regards to how they would respond. Um, so I, that's going to be something I have to practice, especially if I'm going to be getting into a relationship. So something you had said before was setting up boundaries thoughtfully rather than as a reaction. And um, that's very important. That's key. And that's something that I hope to, that's a quality I hope to to learn and acquire by the time I get into my next relationship to say, hey, these are, you know, this is where I'm at. This, let's let's see if we can, if this works for us, right? Because I can't, if I have my bound, if I have certain things about me that maybe I'm not willing to change and I don't want you overstepping or whatnot, but this other person is, is for example, I am not someone who reaches out to people every day. Most of the people that I talk to on the daily is because they reach out to me. Now, the mm. only exception is Diamond. Um, Not really. Yeah, but I reach out to you more than anybody else. So let's just put it that way. Doing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, sometimes thinking about past relationships, I think that I will change naturally how I feel about how I feel about wanting to be alone so much because I felt that before about people who I've been in love with or, you know, just, Oh, I, I, whenever they hit me up, even though I'm still not the one reaching out most of the time, but when they hit me up, I'm like eager to respond, you know, I'm happy that they hit me up. Um, so I feel like that will change. However, I also feel like maybe that won't last too long that that's going to be in the honeymoon phase. And then once the honeymoon phase dies down, not to say that I'm not going to be in love with the person anymore, but just that I'm going to go back to wanting a lot of my alone time because now I've gotten to know the person, I've gotten to like the person, I've gotten to be comfortable with the person. And now, you know, it's going to go back to spending time with myself. And how is that going to affect the relationship if the other person wasn't expecting that? So I'm going to have to let them know from the beginning, like, hey, even if you don't see it in the beginning, how much I love my alone time, um, you might see it later on in the relationship. And you is that something you will see it later on in the relationship? Is that something that you can be OK with or, you know, how can we work that out? And it's something can I be OK with being more um, sociable, I guess, is the word. Uh, I don't know where I'm going anymore with this. <laughs> I'm just talking, but. No, I mean, that brings, uh, I think for me, the difference is I, the honeymoon phase is well and lovely. And I will, if and when I choose to get into a relationship, um, <laughs> I will cherish those moments. However, I, for me, like 
the honeymoon phase, even though it's supposed to be this mystical time, it's really just smoke and mirrors, right? Like for maybe this is me looking at it negatively, but I just don't want to, and this is going off of what you said, but I just don't want folks to get the wrong impression of me. Like I, even in the honeymoon phase, for example, if we're after we made sweet, sweet love, I'm not sure if I want to cuddle with you. And I need someone that's going to be okay with that <laughs> immediately. Like maybe for a minute or two, but immediately after. That's my. That's literally a boundary. That's an intentional boundary. I just don't like it. Um, it makes me very, it makes me feel so closed in. And there are times when we, I've cuddled with people and it lasted a long time and it was lovely and I enjoyed it. But is that my norm? No. Um, so when it comes to relationships, it's like, I feel like you have to be upfront all the time, especially when you are a certain type of person. Um, because if not, like I found myself in the past in situations, cause you know, no one wants to claim me yet. So they've all been situationships, <sighs> but, um, let me actually get out of that mindset because it's not about a motherfucking claiming me. Right. That's why, like, let me get, for real, let me get completely out of that mindset. You're not on a market, on a right. shelf. Shoot. Um, but I've been in situations where I've allowed, because I know what this person likes and I want this person to like me, um, I was willing to negotiate my boundary in a negative way, which in turn did nothing for me because either that person and I aren't together or they just didn't treat me well because I was, I was in constant negotiation with myself for this person, um, to be with this person. Um, so I just, I, even the last person I was talking to, I was a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, even though whatever, See, shit. but this is this what? goes into that video you sent me from Amanda Seals. Oh, mm-hmm. and and I agree with her wholeheartedly, which is why I'm like, maybe I'm not ready for a relationship yet. But she was I think, well, she was talking uh, deeper about what I'm about to bring up. But, you know, when you're in a relationship, it is not just you and you are two different people, no matter what, mm-hmm. right? So there is going to be some negotiation that has to happen, some meeting in the middle. You have to change things about yourself or leave things uh, behind about yourself in order to enter this relationship. If you're not ready to do that, then you shouldn't be entering a relationship at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, I guess that would include that that would not that I guess would include friendships as well. Um, So we have to figure out what things are no, because I was going to say we should figure out what things are non-negotiable and what are negotiable. But then we might be blinded by this idea like, oh, this thing about me is non-negotiable because there was another question we had asked, I think, in the last episode, which is what's something about yourself that you're not willing to change? And um, that could be dangerous, that kind of mindset. What's something about you that you're not willing to change? Um, Of course, that's great when you're like, I'm not willing to change that I'm patient, you know, and you shouldn't change that. But there could be a quality that can affect your relationship negatively. So maybe we should go in with the mindset that everything is negotiable and then take it from there and see what we can work on, what we can't work on. I'm not cuddling. That's non-negotiable. Take it or leave it. It is what it is. 
there's a it is what it is again (laughs) (laughs) okay so the next question is how comfortable are you with approaching your friend about tension within the relationship we kind of touched on this Mm -hmm. do you think it's harder to do it with a friend versus a romantic partner or easier um I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, I mean, it shouldn't for either. It shouldn't, I mean, of course it may be uncomfortable, but it shouldn't be that hard for your, um, intimate relationships or your friendships. Um, is there a difference? I I wouldn't think so. Um, but of course it depends on the relationship. Um, Something about a romantic relationship makes me feel like there's more pressure added to it, to the relationship. There's it's it's when it's just friends, you're a little bit more easygoing or you're a little bit more forgiving with each other because the expectations are not um, as high when you're in a romantic relationship. If you're in it for long term, like if that's your intention, then your expectation is to have someone to fall in love with to marry to to do this with to do that with to live to to move in with each other and to be each other's like i don't know uh rock and of course you want your friends to be your rock as well but it's just it it just seems like there's so much more involved in a romantic relationship right but the friendship is like you do you you do me and we come together every once in a while to hang out and it's cool and it's fun and so the it's not as much pressure um and so i wonder if that makes it easier to approach a friend not that it is easy of course because we know it's not but if it makes it easier to approach a friend about problems within your relationship versus a romantic partner or if it maybe makes it harder because you're thinking uh you know this is my ride or die and how could there be problems in our relationship or I don't want this person to think that I don't like them anymore or something like that uh, because you've been friends for so long versus someone you just met and started dating? Um, or is it the same? I don't know, because I haven't I haven't been in a romantic relationship in 50 years to really make that comparison. But um, I think um, I think that's a good question. I also think it depends on the relation like when when you're talking I couldn't help but think that sometimes people like have these expect expectations of other people that are unrealistic when it comes to relationships sure there is an expectation because you're looking to build a life with someone right but like I when you said that that person's your rock I laugh because like I don't want someone to be my rock. That doesn't sound that that just doesn't sound good to me. I want someone to be there for me, but I don't want to like I don't want to depend on someone so much for things that I want to be able to seek and and feel internally. Like I don't want you to be my rock. That's that's absurd. But that's how a lot of people navigate. So, um for me, I Yes, the stakes would be higher in a relationship. However, I don't think these conversations should look 
significantly different. I'll agree with that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I'll have. To, and, and honestly, that reminds me of the conversation I was having with my friend the other week. Um, again, because it's like, again, we put just so much pressure on other people and it's like, that's, it's just not fair. Like figure, well, this is another conversation, but just figure it out for you first before you put all this pressure on someone else and infringe on their boundaries. Mm -hmm. But they might be so damn desperate um, that they're willing to accept it, you Mm -hmm. know, and they may not know the difference because again, they just want to be with someone. And it's like, no, that's not fair to either party. I've said before that if, because you're going back to what you said about the rock thing, if I feel like I'm starting to need you, then I, that should be a sign for me to take a break from the relationship and figure my shit out first. Because I don't ever want to need somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, that is such, like, now as an adult, I when I was younger, I understood it more, right? Like wanting to feel needed and wanting to need someone. Mm-hmm. But not as an adult, but now that I'm, becoming more in tune with me that is so unhealthy and a lot of people just don't know it they think that that's it's become the norm because that's and, what it's it's is conveyed to us growing up yeah. i mean relationships whatever kind of relationship is so incredibly idealized and romanticized through mm-hmm. movies through the books we read through advertisement and um and so now we have this idea of what the standard for relationship should be, but relationships come in all shapes and sizes. And, um, but the one thing is that, you know, when you find someone that needs you, that needs to be with you, I can't live without you type of thing. You long to hear that from somebody. And no, for me, that would be a boundary that someone's crossing. Yeah. That would literally be a boundary. Like you need that. First of all, that would be a red flag. You're telling me that you need me. That would literally be, a boundary that would give me anxiety and I would oh yes that would give me a lot of anxiety because I again for me who likes to be alone for you to say I need you I'm like oh that means you're gonna hit me up all the time when you're bored when you're you know whatever and uh I can't be that person for you because I only have enough energy to be that person for myself and even I tire myself out (laughs) you know so I just want them to get completely away from that because it's so, that to me is incredibly toxic. Again, going back to the whole rock thing, like y'all really be out here saying like, I need my man. I need my woman. I need my partner. Fuck. What you need is to drink more water and read a book. <laughs> That's what you need to do. You don't need anyone, anything else. But um, anyway. Uh, well, and that kind of goes into yeah, the I next question ridiculous. too. Because, uh, I, I think it goes into the next question. Um, and the last one, what might be some traditional, non-traditional styles for maintaining mm. a healthy romantic relationship? Um, for me, me... Yeah. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> for me, uh, well, something untraditional that I would like in my relationship that as long as my partner is on the same page as me, of course, could be healthy for us is to have our this is if we move in together but this is sort of gonna the principle behind this is sort of what i would like to see throughout the entire relationship 
but basically if we moved in together we would have our own bedrooms and the idea is to still be your own person right and still have your own space your own sanctuary that is completely you it's important for us to have that sort of space to give each other that sort of space to allow each other to be our own people and then we come together and swap experiences and thoughts and things like that but we can always go back to our own spaces so so for me that will look like have again have or for example having our own bedrooms if we moved in together i guess it's the idea that absence makes the heart grow fonder type of thing um but i guess that would be something for me um some something untraditional in my relationship that i think could help keep it healthy i just when i look at relationships my parents people that are very close to me my friends like other I want to say senior adults, but they're not seniors. They're just more senior than I. Um, senior adults <laughs> who have established lives together. And my friends who are in these established relationships. I don't want any of it. There are elements, <laughs> there are elements within each relationship that I might that I may find endearing or quality that I may want to adopt down the line. But when I say I would want something traditional, I don't mean that in the traditional sense. (laughs) 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 I I mean that in a way that like, um, I don't, I honestly don't know, which is why I'm kind of stumped because I would want the smooth communication always. I know it's not always easy, but something that we can work on. I, I, I feel like that's not traditional. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) Having good communication in a relationship seems to be (laughs) non-traditional. Right. Which is so weird. But um, I would want the communication or or we would have to be okay with... okay. We would have to be okay with not wanting to constantly communicate all the time too, you know? Which also may not be traditional. I would want my partner to... um, See, you said like for living together... I You might not even want to live with the person. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I think I truly think that Because I'm kinda there too, to be honest. Yeah, I think if we had apartments in the same building, I think that would be great. But I truly value my space. And if you want to come over, great. I want to come over, great. But I don't want to my life to be so entwined with someone else, which is so untraditional because people are so entwined and I I get it. I get it. But also it's just not for me. I want, I want to be able to have you over and then say if my partner has, has a a crazy day at work and they don't want anyone over, but I want my friend over. I don't want that to cause an issue within my relationship. That is my, and that happens so often. Mm -hmm. That should not be an issue. Go to your fucking apartment then, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, that that's but then i still want the um i don't even know what i want from i think i'm like subconsciously idealizing traditional relationships and that's why i'm saying i want tradition but i don't in all reality so a little shocker 
I'm a hopeless romantic <laughs> in my in my head. Um, That's prob- not fair. I, th- I could see it, but go ahead. You are a hopeless romantic. You're a very loving person, but go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not a compliment. Either, no, no, no. So I, just- I know, but it just took me aback that you said that because I was like, what does she see? Um, <laughs> but um, I... And maybe it's all the movies that are growing up. Maybe it's falling in love with Titanic um, at such a young age. But I have this idea of a relationship. And even though I say things like I want separate rooms, but I love this idea of having someone to share a really quiet, lazy, sunny afternoon with. They're exchanging memories and thoughts and dreams. Um we're dancing in the living room together. Uh, we're cuddling intensely. I, I do love intense cuddling where our bodies are really enmeshed and entangled. The thing is that I can only handle that for about 10 minutes at a time because I do get restless. Which is another reason why I want separate bedrooms because uh, I, before falling asleep, I do switch positions a lot to get comfortable again. You know, I don't, I don't want to disrupt my partner. I don't want to be self-conscious about that and maybe even snoring. So anyway, back to my romantic vision of a relationship. Yeah, I, st- I still want these sort of... I want all those things that I just mentioned. I really do. I think about that often. But I also like to think about them while I'm alone. <laughs> so. See, but that's the thing. That's what makes the beauty of the non-traditional... Like- Everything that you said is so beautiful and non-traditional and that's okay. You can still have those Sunday when you dance in the living room and you can share those moments together. But then when you're ready, go into separate spaces. Yeah. Why Why is that so foreign? Like I want those things too. I can be, I think I can be very romantic and very loving and nurturing and like wanting to care for my partner. But like the idea of cooking for someone every night. Like little things like that, no. So I still think that you can have all those things which are incredibly beautiful and still have a non-traditional and live your life the way you want to, but share these experiences with your partner. That's what I'm looking for. Maybe that's the key to a uh, to maintaining that honeymoon phase mm-hmm. for the rest of the relationship. It's because the honeymoon phase is like you're first dating, and so you're not together. You're not live. You're not on top of each other twenty four seven yet, mm-hmm. and so you're not. Those little idiosyncrasies are not coming out in a way that's being obtrusive to the other mm-hmm. person because they're not around you all the time, and it's not annoying. And when you're living apart, but then you you know you you come over. Hey, come over, or I'll come over, and you have those nice time together, and. And then you go back to your separate places and you you ima- you you think about those nice times and you I, I, I miss you already. But, you know, you're in your own space and you're enjoying that, too. So I don't miss you enough to go back to your house yet. But that's how you <laughs> that's how you keep the honeymoon phase going is by and you're still in a relationship and you're still you can still very much be in a committed relationship, which is one, you know, that person. Um, speaking of which, we did have a conversation weeks ago about monogamy and polyamory do we want to be exclusive do we want to be in open relationships 
I see a lot of that open relationship stuff. And it's not, it's, it doesn't really look like, from what I can see, it doesn't really look like where you're having these very committed, romantic, intimate relationships with multiple people. It's just that you have that with one person, but you're open sexually. So I wonder if I would be okay with that, me being a sexual person with open relationships. Um, but I guess I get stuck by some of those, you know, the typical insecurities of what if they find someone better than me or something like that. Um, maybe if I find a very good sexual partner that we're really in sync and the chemistry is there, I won't feel this need to seek it elsewhere and hopefully they won't as well. But we could spice up our sex life every once in a while by inviting a third person or another couple to join us but uh but i could see myself being in a committed to one person exclusive relationship with one person Mm -hmm. uh in terms of like the monogamy and polyamory thing um i'm not saying that i'd i'd be dismissive about if like let's say we ended up in a trio or something romantically Mm. but uh oh you know what i just thought of hmm. it would be kind of cool like for um I don't know if this would work for me because as I'll say this for you and then I'll go on to me. Um, But imagine if you enter a relationship and it becomes a trio and your part, your two partners are the type of people who like to be together all all the time. So then Mm -hmm. like they gave you your space, but when you're ready to get get love, um, Mm You just kind of maybe, maybe if also feels better if it's actually a trio, right? Like you're all into each other versus mm-hmm. I'm into you and you're also into this other person that I'm not into. So you have your separate relationship with them and I have my separate relationship with you. And I feel like that's maybe when a lot of jealousy might start to creep in. Mm-hmm. But if you're all into each other, mm-hmm. not that there's no room for jealousy in that as well, but, uh, maybe looks and feels different mm. um for me during that conversation i was saying yeah i want base i think what i was getting at is that i don't think that one person can feed all of my needs because i <laughs> i want to say i'm a needy person <laughs> but i just went on this whole thing like i don't want to be needed i don't need no nigga <laughs> <laughs> there's that indecisiveness but, yeah there we go but you know what i mean by that is i'm a needy person i am which is so funny and i feel like such a hypocrite but it, it's not how it seems um i i don't think one person can fulfill all of my needs whether it's mentally emotionally anything like that, intellectually, sexually, I do have friends. Like I, I really value the relationship that we have. Cause you feel a lot of those, but you don't feel my sexual needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't always want to rely on you for my intellectual and emotional needs. Um, so in a relationship, I, I, first, I don't think it would be fair to put that on someone, which is another issue that we kind of briefly touched on before. At least I did. Um, and then sexually, I <laughs> sexually, it's like I am into so many different things 
I have yet to find one person who can keep up. And people will say, oh, you can't keep up with me sexually because they maybe can last two rounds. That's not what I mean here. I mean, like, I literally, the things that I'm into, I don't know if you've ever even heard of them, some of them. Like the last person I was talking to, he was very vanilla and he made it clear. And I'm not. And I was thinking ahead of myself as we do, as I do, but I was like, damn, if I meet with this guy and we have sex, I'll probably get bored after, I don't know, a month or two of consistent sex with him. Cause I need, I have other desires that I need to um, explore. So I'm saying all this to say, if I enter a relationship, can that one person satisfy my, my desires, not my needs, my desires, I'll say. Um, and I don't think so. And I don't, I, I like, I wouldn't want someone to put all that on me, but then is, is it like, would it be fair to myself? Not even to myself. Like, would I be able to handle multiple partners for different elements of my life? Cause I can handle different friends for different things on my life. But when I'm talking about sexually, that's a whole, that's a different ball game, you know? Um, so that's something that I'm still like, I don't think about it often because I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to think about one person often at this in this current moment. But um, that's just something that I that I have thought about before. There are different elements of my life that I don't think one person can fulfill, which is fair because I wouldn't want that for me. Now, how would that look in a relationship with someone else? I thought about. Um, I don't know if I'm mixing up two shows, but I think it was um, Billions, actually. And one of, you've seen it? No, but okay. I've been in it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know why it tickles me. But um, in the show, one of the main characters has, um, he's a sadist and a masochist, I believe. And his wife... Um, are you going to watch the show? No, but I think it's okay. pronounced sadist. Sadist. Okay. And his wife is a dominatrix for her husband. So that works out well. But then he, no, I'm, I'm, I'm about to mess it up because they end up getting divorced or separated. So then he goes somewhere to fulfill his, um, fulfill his, uh, sexual needs. And, um, Maybe that's something I can like look into, but then again, my partner would still have to be okay with it, you know, because if I have a vanilla partner and I like whips and chains, then you going to come with me to the dungeon hall or no, you know, like. I guess this goes back to always going back to what are things quote unquote needs that you have to have fulfilled. So if I, let's say, was really into public sex, right, and my partner wasn't, but I was in love with my partner, like, this is my person, um, and there was that one thing, can I let go of that? Because I still like sex, whether it's in the room or, you know, or we're in some, in some stairwell somewhere, but... But the thing is, can you let go of it for the rest of your life? That's how I'm looking at it, you know, and it's not about, for me, it's not only about, it's... I don't want to have, like, this is, 
then we're going to have to move on because I don't want to have to negotiate so much. If, I, if this is something sexually that I enjoy and it's something that you can't provide for me and I love you and you may be my person, but you see how much this is tormenting me, right? And if that's like a non-negotiable, I probably will seek it. And that, like, it's a whole thing. This is probably why people cheat because they're not being fulfilled in some way. So in order to avoid it, be upfront and get what you need out of certain people. Um, if that, if, if that's how it looks for you, um, again, if I'm with someone who is vanilla and, and only into vanilla sex, um, and I need to be fulfilled in other ways, why is it, why do I have to negotiate on that? This is my, like, this is my life, my sexual wants and desires. Why? That's that I, I do feel strongly about that because it's like, People are walking around here and not just sexually, they're just, they're negotiating on so much of themselves to be with someone else, to satisfy someone else. No, I don't want to do that. I'd, I'd rather be alone. I don't want people to have the idea that I am a nymphomaniac because I'm not, but I do have a high sexual appetite and my, my sexual desires are complex. Excuse me. But what I feel bad for are the people who either one cannot express it or if they have expressed it i'm talking within their relationships they've been laughed at or disregarded um and they they can't explore these 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 desires with their partner mm-hmm. and then it's like then they're either stuck and they become resentful or, or just whatever or they seek not satisfied and then they seek um, it elsewhere and then that hurts their partner you know it's like why why do that just i i wouldn't want to do that i wouldn't want to live that way at all i i won't live that way um i'd rather just be up front and with my with my partner um and then see what happens with us but i just feel bad for people who who, who really can't explore that side of themselves or not just sexually, just in general, if they're, if there's something that they want to explore about themselves and they can't be with their partner be, or because of their partner, that is so sad to me. It really is. Mm-hmm. That's so, when you've outgrown a relationship. There you go. <laughs> it comes full circle. Beautifully done. That's when you've outgrown a relationship. I'm ready to wrap this shit up. If okay. You are. So folks, time is gonna wrap it up <laughs> no i i mean that's it until next time um the last thing i'll say i guess is um figure out what your boundaries are figure out what a boundary is figure out if you if you have any in place already why they're there if they need to be adjust, re, be readjusted if you need to implement new boundaries and new diff- new relationships, um, or n- maybe it's not a new relationship, you just need to create boundaries w- within a relationship. Figure all those things out and um, be honest with yourself. Be honest with your the people around you, um, because if not, then it's gonna suck. Journal it. Write it out. Journal it. And if that's not what you like to do, then. Go to therapy. Your friends are not your therapist. Go to a trained therapist. 
Um, unless your friend actually is a therapist, but you're not paying them. So they're not going to work free. And that's not fair. That's a boundary (laughs) that you're probably, you know, that should probably be in place. Um, but, uh, as always be honest with yourself. Don't have kids. (laughs) (laughs) And, (laughs) and if you do have kids, then put them in therapy because they probably already need it. Fuck. What do you have to say? I have no profound words to end with. Uh, hopefully you have, you've said, en- you've said it well and you've said enough and hopefully people will get what they need to from our conversation. And if you want to fight us on something. Do it. Reach out. Talk to Diamond. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> Respect my boundary. Oh. <laughs> And then I'll just forward it to CJ. <laughs> and then we'll gossip about it. Not respecting it. the boundary. <laughs> um, all right. Until next time, y'all. Bye. Okay, baby. 